0: Good Sunday morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Money Wise Radio with Ray Lance of USA Wealth Group, your financial and retirement guide. Thank you so much for making us a part of your Sunday morning listening. And you know, folks, the mission of USA Wealth is to protect, yes, protect your family and protect your money. Here now is Ray Lance and a good Sunday morning, my friend.
1: Well, good Sunday morning, Phil, and good Sunday morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another edition of Money Wise. Today we're going to talk about taxes. I love taxes, especially if I don't have to pay them. I love them. (laughs) But, you know, we're going to talk today about what to do with your tax refund if you get a tax refund. And we're also going to talk about a parallel topic, which is... What to do to protect yourself so that you don't become a victim of IRS identity fraud. There's so much money being stolen today. Oh, my gosh. Every week we hear about a story like this. The IRS has just recently issued a brand new bulletin, and this comes up as a subject every year. Mm -hmm. But um, taxes is something that we don't like to pay, and yet we do have to pay them. So let's talk about fraud for senior citizens, first of all. If there are any seniors listening this morning, um, be very careful if somebody gets on the telephone with you and says they need some tax information. The most important thing you need to remember from today is that the IRS never calls you on the telephone. They don't send you emails. They send you letters the old-fashioned way. Mm -hmm. So if you get a call from somebody saying that they're an IRS agent, get their information and ask them for their phone number and tell them you'll call them back. And then report them, because it's probably a fraud. Senior citizens of the uh, group out in the public who are most likely to have a nest egg, for example, they might own their own home, they might have good credit, and they're a very attractive target to scam artists, artists and uh, con artists. So anybody who grew up in the 30s, the 40s, and the 50s uh, was always um, raised to be very polite and to have manners and to trust people. And... Con artists exploit those particular traits. They know that it's going to be difficult for somebody to say no on the telephone or something of that nature. The, The next thing to tell you is that older Americans are typically less likely to report a fraud because they don't know who to report it to, or sometimes they're embarrassed or ashamed that they've been taken advantage of, and sometimes they simply just don't know that they've been scammed. So elderly victims often don't report crimes, uh, and sometimes they're concerned that if their family members find out about it and think that they've been victims, that their family is going to think they no longer have mental capacity to handle their own affairs. So often they'll hide it or simply not talk about it. The next thing to tell you is that if an elderly victim of a crime does report the crime, they're often very poor witnesses. Uh, they sometimes don't have good memories, and they can't remember exactly what's been said to them. So you need to be more vigilant, especially if you're a senior and uh, the IRS is constantly putting out bulletins and notices and there are new tax refund rules starting in 2015. Uh, There are brand new procedures for issuing refunds starting in 2015. And I I find this one to be a little bit silly, but for example, uh, the IRS has said that the number of refunds that can be electronically deposited into a single financial account is now going to be limited to 3. Well, how many people get 3 refunds anyway? I don't know. So by announcing this rule, the IRS has simply told the fraudsters just keep opening up accounts and yeah. only have refunds directed only have 3 refunds directed to one account. Yeah. But I don't see how that's going to help stop identity theft. Um, But this is a major bulletin for the IRS. It's estimated that it's going to be about $2 billion this year that's going to be stolen from people. We've actually had clients in our office, and about a year and a half ago we did a show on IRS identity theft. And uh, particularly if you file electronically, uh, that's often more of a problem. I'm going to come back to that point in just a minute. But I've had two people recently who called me and said, when they sent in their refund or their tax return to apply for a refund, uh, they get a letter from the IRS saying somebody had already claimed their refund.
0: So, How does all this
1: happen to
0: begin with? How do these thieves steal the information they need
1: to jump out in front and get your refund? Well, real simple to start with. Do you remember the problems we've had with Target and Home Depot and... They get your credit card numbers, and it's real easy to get your Social Security number today if somebody has a credit card number. They can sometimes back into the credit card information. So you've got to constantly change your passwords on your credit cards. Well, when I say constantly, at least do it once a year. Yeah. If you've got a credit card and you're listening right now, the question I would ask you to ask yourself is, when is the last time you even thought about changing a password on your credit card? and most people don't. You keep using the same one. Well, if you don't change your passwords at least once a year, you're going to certainly be a victim at some point in time. There's just too many examples of credit cards being stolen. Social security numbers. I tell people, you know, today you really, really don't need to give out your social security number in most cases. I can tell you in the last couple of years going into doctor's offices, they give you a form to fill out, and often they'll say, what's your social security number? Don't answer that question. You don't need to do that. You can put down XXX, XX, and put down the last four digits if you want. That's all they need. They don't need your full social security number.
0: Is that all around, you think? Or are there some times that you need to disclose the full number, Ray?
1: Uh, there might be, but there are very few times when you really need it. And I can tell you many times when I've been asked for the number, I'll just leave that question blank. I don't know if the medical offices are doing that as much as they used to, but just don't give out your social security number.
0: How about with the driver's licenses?
1: Driver's licenses are much easier now because uh, it's probably been a good 10 years since the Registry of Motor Vehicles has stopped using social security numbers. And if you happen to have an older driver's license that has your social security number on it, Please go to the registry and get yourself a new driver's license, and they will issue you a new driver's license with a nondescript number, not your social security number. Now, let me ask you this about
0: Medicare. You have a Medicare card. I do. Is your number, your social security number, with an extra letter or something like that? No, it's
1: not on your Medicare card. Mm Mm-hmm. And the other, that brings up a very important point also. You don't want to carry your social security card with you. I can remember I used to take my social security card when I had it and I would laminate it so it wouldn't get all weathered in my wallet. Yes. And um, I used to carry a laminated version. Mm -hmm. Don't carry your social security card with you. If you lose your wallet, lose your pocketbook, uh, there goes your social security card. Now Mm -hmm. somebody can have access to all of your accounts.
0: Now, to your clients at USA Wealth Group, if their identity was stolen and somebody took their tax
1: return rate,
0: how long does it take for them to get their return, and what kind of a procedure do they need to go through?
1: Well, there's a particular form to fill out with the IRS. So if you happen to be a victim and your refund has been stolen, first of all, let me assure you, you will get your money eventually. And the IRS website and their information tells you that it will take three to six months. I'm going to tell you it's going to take you a full year. Mm. So if you are counting on a refund, for example, and you go and you apply and then you get this letter from the IRS that says, I'm sorry, your account has been compromised. Now you have to fill out a claim, um, send it to the IRS, and you can count on probably a year before you're actually going to get your refund back. And once you do this, the IRS is now going to assign to your Social Security number a special code so that every time you apply in the future, this code is going to be on there. So this won't happen to you again, theoretically. Um, But the the thing is, protect your Social Security number is the number one tip for preventing ID fraud. Right. Let me mention one thing in general about refunds. We're going to talk a little bit about refunds and what to do with your refund and a little bit about how to protect yourself. But um, if you're getting a refund, and a lot of people look forward to getting a big refund every year, what that means is that during the course of the year, the IRS has had the use of some of your money. So you've paid too much into withholding or you've paid too much into quarterly uh, payments. Right. Um, because you wouldn't be getting a big refund in the first place if you hadn't paid too much money in. You don't get interest on that money. So if you are looking forward to getting a three dollars or $4,000 refund and you say, oh, yes, I always over-withhold so I can get a big refund, that's a very poor way to save money. You'd be much better off to write yourself a check every week for $25 and stick it in the bank and save money that way. So planning on getting a large refund is not a smart way to make money. You're losing money. Mm-hmm. Uh, you lose all the potential interest you could have had on the account during the course of the year, number one. And number two, uh, the the government has had the use of your money during the course of the year. So if you consistently get larger refunds, you should talk to your tax preparer and say, how do I reduce my withholding so I have more money currently right. and I'm not getting a large refund? But, um Be careful about things like IRS impersonation. Uh, Just to recap on that really quickly, the IRS never calls. They don't make a call to you. Mm -hmm. If somebody calls and says it's urgent, you must call the IRS immediately, that's a scam. Don't return that call. They don't act that way. The IRS does not act that way. Um, If you get emails, be very careful about emails that you open. And if somebody says this is the IRS, no matter how official looking it is, It's not official. It's a fraud. Before you go any further, if the email
0: is clicked on, you don't open it, but you go to it, is that dangerous?
1: That's dangerous. Okay. If you see a suspicious-looking email, don't just open it up and think, well, I'll just see what it is. The minute you click on it, it's called phishing. Now they have access to your computer, potentially. So if you see an email and you don't know who it is, Send it into spam or just delete it. If it's really important, somebody will get back to you. But Mm -hmm. the IRS never contacts you by the Internet. Right. They simply don't. Mm -hmm. So anybody uh, pretending to be from the IRS, um, it's almost always a scam. Um, And I'll just repeat this one more time. The IRS does not initiate any contact with taxpayers by email or social media, and they never ask you to forward any personal information. So can't say that just enough. Um, there's also something you can send directly on to the IRS. So if you see something that looks suspicious, uh, you might want to write this down. You can forward the email. Don't open it, but forward it to phishing at irs.gov. Interesting. And phishing, by the way, is not spelled with an F. It's P-H-I-S-H-I-N-G, phishing at irs.gov. And now the IRS will be able to look into it and try to eliminate some of the scamsters. Mm -hmm. But in any event, always keep your Social Security card in a safe place. Don't carry it with you routinely. Be careful who you share it with. Uh, Protect your personal information. Change your computer codes periodically. Change your credit cards periodically. And, you know, when I say periodically, at least once a year, and part and parcel of this is Check your statements when they come in. If you get a statement in the mail from a credit card company, take a look at your statement every month. Don't just throw it in a pile and say, I'll, I'll open it when I go to pay my bill. Open it up and take a look at it. Make sure there's something um, on there that's, uh, make sure there's not something on there that you haven't charged on your account. Mm-hmm. We do have good consumer protection uh, in Massachusetts and through the federal government, so that if somebody accesses your credit card, you have a $50 per card maximum liability. But it's still a hassle. You have to cancel cards, get new ones issued, and so forth. So only provide your Social Security number when you initiate the contact or when you're sure of the person uh, that you're talking to. And um, let me give you a definition of a taxpayer, Phil. A taxpayer (laughs) is somebody who works for the government but doesn't have to take a civil service exam. (laughs) I like that. That was Ronald Reagan. Oh that's great. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I guess we're all uh, government employees in one way or another, aren't we? Yep. And uh, then Will Rogers once said Noah must have taken into the ark two taxes, one male and one female, and did they multiply bountifully? Next to guinea pigs, taxes must have been the most prolific animals. Think about it. Have you ever heard of taxes going down? Fairly rarely. No, I haven't, actually. (laughs) But I'm going to give you a serious quotation from a famous uh, United States Supreme Court uh, justice, Oliver Wendell Wendell Holmes, who said, I like to pay taxes. With them, I buy civilization. Oh. And I tell people this sometimes. You know, nobody really likes to pay more taxes Mm -hmm. than they have to. Mm -hmm. And if you do planning, you don't have to pay more than your fair share. But... uh, you know, we're we're very lucky that we live in a country where we can pay taxes, mm-hmm. and it does support our government and our protection and our military and our laws that give us equality, and every, everything else that the laws provide comes from the fact that we pay taxes. There's also an interesting Jewish proverb that says, taxes grow without rain. Oh, that is good. And... Um, One last quotation I'll give you on taxes for right now. Uh, John Maynard Keynes, a famous economist in this country, the avoidance of taxes is the only intellectual pursuit that carries any reward. So be careful of who you talk to about your taxes. A lot of people do their own taxes. A lot of people go to tax providers. Uh, Don't listen to anybody on the telephone. You can also just hang up. You might want to have caller ID on your telephone so that it will capture a number. And if you get a call that you think is suspicious, hang up and then write down that number and report it to the local police. Mm-hmm. Uh, they'll help you. They'll they'll check it out further. Um, and uh, many, many other ideas. You know, we have a lot of information in our office we can provide you about taxes. We've got good one-page, a lot of information uh laminated document that shows you all the tax rates, tax information, simple deductions that you can take. And it's just good tax planning, good strategy. It tells you key dates, key data, key planning information for 2015. If anybody would like a copy of that anytime, just get in touch with our office. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, But you don't do the
0: tax returns yourselves. You just give a lot of great information.
1: We do more work in the area of tax planning. We don't do tax right. preparation. Maybe we'll do that again in the future, but not in any present plans to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a fairly time-consuming thing. What surprises me sometimes is I see a lot of people who really have a lot of assets, and they'll do their own income taxes. And for the sake of a few hundred dollars sometimes, I think that that's not a smart decision. There are a lot of good, qualified tax preparers in the community. Right. And um,
0: and the way uh, changes of laws, we were talking about this last week. Mm-hmm. The estate tax was uh, part of the uh, issues in uh, Washington. And I was saying, a good financial planner
1: is your best guide. Yes, absolutely. I mentioned you. Yep. Oh, thank you. No, I appreciate that. Um, The federal estate tax is not something that most people ever have to worry about. There's a $5.43 million exemption per person. If you're married, you can shelter two times that amount or about $10.8 million. So there are very few people in this country who pay federal estate tax. And I'll tell you the people that typically do, the people that haven't done the planning. But we also have a Massachusetts estate tax, and that only has a one million dollar exemption per person. And so, if you are a married couple, for example, and let's say you took the equity in your house plus the value of your life insurance, which is included in your state mm. for tax purposes, really, plus any of your other assets, bank accounts, uh, annuities, life insurance, anything that you own, if that totals more than one million dollars, and for a lot of you know, that's easy couples, that happens. Yeah. Yeah. then if you have not done trust planning, you need to do trust planning because if you do trust planning, it allows you to protect two separate $1 million exemptions or you can have a total of $2 million before you pay Massachusetts estate tax. Wow. And a lot of people simply have everything in joint tenancy. And if you do that, um, that's often the worst way to hold title to things because you're not going to get two exemptions. So, let
0: me see if I understand this, Ray. If I have an estate with my home, let's say a little summer home, all of my property that's worth oh nine hundred thousand dollars total. but I did not include my insurance policies, then it's well over nine hundred thousand,
1: sure, it could be, and um life insurance can be put into a form where it will never be a part of your estate for estate tax purposes good to know so for example i have a irrevocable life insurance trust and it has a life insurance policy in it Um, that will never be included in my estate it will never be included in my wife's estate and so if you happen to have an estate that approaches the level of taxation which is a million dollars in massachusetts and then you say, well, I've got this larger life insurance policy. Typically, we will recommend that you don't own that life insurance policy in your own name. Instead, put it into an irrevocable life insurance trust. Mm-hmm. Now, these are legitimate planning things that you can do. And if you have any questions about that, you know, get in touch with our office. If we don't help you on the planning side, we'll refer you perhaps to Attorney Tenny Lance on the law firm side. And then she can give you the particulars of that or Medicaid planning, you know, how to protect your house. This is the year in which people really need to think about taking some action to protect yourself. And if you don't, then if you want to pay more estate taxes, uh, the Commonwealth of Massachusetts will thank you. So (laughs) do some planning. (laughs) I want to tell you about some interesting tax deductions that I've come across recently. And, uh, This is a little bit on the light side, Mm -hmm. but for example, as of 2004, whaling captains are eligible for up to $10,000 in deductions on ship repairs. Whaling? Whaling captains. captains? And that's (laughs) an interesting one. I mean, we have outlawed whaling in this country. But we probably still have some whaling captains who are out there. No kidding. Whaling uh, has been banned, but not for Native American cultures.
0: Oh, yeah. So, for course. example,
1: Eskimos can sure. still do whaling. And yep. they, they use all the products, the byproducts from the whale. Mm-hmm. So this one is probably more for Eskimos than anything else. Interesting. But they can deduct for repairs to their whaling vessel. Now, how about moving costs? Everybody knows that if you move from one location to another, um, typically uh, there's some specialized rules on that. It has to be, I think, 50 miles, and you have to be moving from one one job to another job, and things of that nature. But you can deduct relocation and moving costs. What you may not know is that you can also deduct the cost of moving your pets in that particular write-off. What do you mean? Well, let's say you had to ship your animals. Could be your horses. It could, but you could be Let's say you're moving across country, and you Mm -hmm. want to have special handling. Put your your kitties in special cages where they're not going to be frozen in the belly of the airplane.
0: Or not on top of the roof of the car. No, that's for (laughs) grandmother. (laughs) Oh, no.
1: (laughs) No. what about, does your child have an overbite? Well, what happens if your child has an overbite in their teeth? We think of, well... Gosh, they're going to go to an orthodontist, and those come under a category of mental, medical and dental expenses. Right. But um, there's a, a 1962 provision that was added to the tax code that says that um, orthodontists have argued that playing the clarinet will help a child's overbite and might thus qualify for a medical expense. So maybe you want to give your child some clarinet lessons and deduct it. I... But get some tax advice first. I'm going to start with the kazoo. How's that? That might work. <laughs> <laughs> um, quitting smoking, the cost of quitting smoking. Oh, yeah. uh, if you have patches or medical aids. Now, electronic cigarettes wouldn't come under this, but uh, that's a qualified medical expense that you yeah, can sure. deduct. Sure. Um, criminals can deduct criminals? certain costs. Um, cost of trials, um, We'll, we'll come back to that in a minute because we've had some recent uh, criminal cases where we want to talk about how do you pay taxes. What, yeah. you, know, you have to declare income sometimes for somebody who yeah. may be in, in that situation. But in any event, I've got a few other interesting deductions. We're going to talk about um, breast enlargement when we come back. A what? Breast enlargement and whether that mm-hmm. qualifies as a deductible medical expense. So if anybody's listening who has interest in that topic, stay tuned and we'll be right back. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Don't go away, ladies and gentlemen. We will be right back. You're listening to Money Wise with Ray Lance. And not only will we return with more ways to protect your family and your money, but with that very important information, don't go away. We're back, and thank you for joining us on Money Wise with Ray Lance, helping you to protect your family and your money. I couldn't wait. Throughout that whole break, I'm thinking, hmm, breast what now?
1: (laughs) Enlargement. I thought that's what you said. Yes. Well, there was actually a case in 1988 where there was a stripper who claimed a— deduction for more than $2,000 for breast enlargement surgery and she stated that it was a business expense. So initially the IRS denied the deduction. Uh, She appealed it to the tax courts and the tax courts ruled that uh, having her breast enlarged was in fact deductible as a business expense um, because it was reasonably necessary to help her in making money in her profession. Oh my gosh. (laughs) So I'm not sure that that would be useful precedent for uh, other things in the future, but that was funny. allowed in that particular tax case. That is funny. So we should always know that sometimes the courts and the uh, IRS has a sense of humor, but but uh, <laughs> not often. So um, we're going to talk for just a minute about um, just a few summary rules on protecting yourself, especially if you're a senior who's listening today. And, you know, um our founding fathers objected to taxation without representation, but they should see it today with representation. That's an anonymous quotation, by the way. And then uh, there's a gentleman named Barry Bracewell who said, An economy breathes through its tax loopholes. Well, that's interesting. So nobody likes to pay taxes. We don't want to. But let me give you a couple of summary rules because I want to move on to a little bit different topic about what to do if you do get a tax refund, especially a large refund. Mm -hmm. But I wanna give you a couple of summary rules on some ways that senior citizens can protect themselves from tax fraud. First is don't be a courtesy victim. It's important to have manners, it's important to be courteous to people, but don't be over-courteous if somebody is trying to promote something or claim that they're gonna help you with your taxes or they're calling from the IRS, be cautious. Uh, Check out strangers who are offering you odd deals. If they don't have a history and a a reputation uh, that's important to you, just be careful. Listen, but don't act. Or tell them you'll get back to them or something of that nature. Um, Never judge a person's integrity by how they sound. Um, People can have a wonderful radio voice, for example, but you have to have substance behind the words and what you're saying as well. Watch out for salespeople who prey on your fears. Nothing should ever be sold to you because there's a fear behind it. You know, a car a car salesman, for example, shouldn't be telling you this is a safer car than what you've got. Your car is not safe. What if you have an accident, you don't have enough airbags? Make your own decisions and don't be sold based upon fear as an example. And then most importantly, don't let embarrassment or fear keep you from reporting a fraud, or an abuse. If you think you've been victimized or scammed, you've got to tell somebody about it. You have to act on it and not let them get away with it. Let's move on to the subject of what do you do if you get a nice tax refund? And a lot of people count on this. A lot of people say, well, when I get my tax refund, that's my vacation money. I use that for my vacation. Sure. So that's okay. And that can be legitimate. But at the same time, why not think about doing some other things with your tax refund? First of all, as I mentioned earlier in the hour, if you're getting a large tax refund, it means you've made a loan to the federal government and they're not paying you any interest. They've had the use of your money for the whole year. So here's my first important suggestion. Bump up your emergency fund. So let's say you get a refund for two or $3,000 and you don't have an emergency fund. Well, instead of taking that refund and going out and spending it, why don't you put it someplace that it truly can be there if you have an important need, if you have an emergency, if you have a sudden repair that you have to do? What happens if your refrigerator lets go or your washing machine? Instead of having to put it on a credit card right. or mm-hmm. a charge card at Sears or something like that, yeah, wouldn't it be nice if you had an emergency fund and you could yes. go out and... Go to the Sears Outlet, which I did recently in Fall River, and I bought a refrigerator there. Yeah, that's a great place. Great place to buy stuff. Yeah. Good discounts. And um, so you ought to have ideally an emergency fund that would cover, say, six months' worth of expenses. What if you get sick and you couldn't get paid? You weren't able to work for a few weeks and you didn't get paid. How do you pay your normal bills, your food, your rent, your mortgage? You need to have an emergency fund. So my first suggestion is if you get a nice refund, Make sure something gets put aside for your emergency fund so you don't have to panic if, if you have a problem. Why not open up an IRA? That's another good suggestion. I find that oh, probably only 5 to 10% of the people I see have enough money put aside for retirement. And as long as you haven't reached the age of 70 and a half yet, you can take some money and you can put it aside into a retirement account. It can either be a deductible IRA, individual retirement account, or a non-deductible IRA. That depends upon, you know, whether you're working and and so forth and uh, how much you're making. But why not put some money aside for retirement? You know, recently I saw somebody who is still working. They've got about two more years to go before they retire. Their company pays a match into a 401k and they're not putting money in to collect the match.
0: They're not they're putting not. money?
1: Ooh. And that's just throwing money out the door. So I said, if you're working for a company that has a retirement 401k plan and the company offers any kind of a match, and not everybody does, but many of them do, you always want to put in take enough money out of your paycheck and put aside to at least get the company match. Why? What was his reason for not? Just plain ignorance. People don't understand and so I've told people who have even two years left to go before retirement, yeah. I'll say maximize, put in $24,000 a year from your salary, mm-hmm. you know, tighten your belt for two years and at least you're going to tuck aside forty-eight or to $50,000 mm-hmm. so do so.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
1: You're listening to Money Wise
0: with Ray Lance, ladies and gentlemen, and uh, he's explaining of Ways to protect your family, your money, your financial, and your retirement future. Great advice, by the way.
1: Well, thank you, Phil. And let's let's come back about some things that you could do with your tax refund that you might not always think about. We mentioned having the emergency fund, putting money into an IRA. How about paying off some high-interest debt? If you have a credit card, and almost all credit cards today, the minute you – go over a certain amount, then you're looking at paying 29% interest. So that means every time you pay them $100 on the card, $33 is going towards interest, and only $66 is going to pay down principal on the debt. So why not take some of your refund, and let's say you had three credit cards, and one's 29%, one's 27%, one's 18%. Well, what you'd want to do is take your refund and make some payments towards the one that has the highest interest charge, because by doing that, you're saving yourself some money. You're not only paying the debt down, but you're paying off first the one that has the highest interest. Um, Refinance your mortgage. You know, um, mortgage rates are still right now at a really great historic low, So why not take some of your money from the refund and stick it in the bank, improve your credit score a little bit, and then go out and pay down your mortgage at the same time? And it's a good trigger. It's a good reminder when you get your refund to think about doing that. You're going to save interest when you refinance the mortgage. And uh, we work with a number of companies. There are a lot of good institutions in this community. Uh, They have their own advertising and marketing that they do. But we're happy to refer you to somebody. Uh, we've got personal relationships with a number of banks and banking officers. We'll be happy to make a great recommendation to you. We don't get paid anything for that. It's just to help you. Give us a call at uh, 508-998-8858, and we'll show you the people that you can talk to that will help you lower your mortgage payment. What if you could save $100, 200 $300 a month on your mortgage payment? that's huge. And then that extra money you could put into investment or savings. So don't spend it frivolously. I know there's a great temptation when you get your refund to uh, go out and simply spend it. So having said that, I'm going to show you some ways that you could spend it. Okay. Um, you could uh, put it towards a car, for example. You could take the refund. And if you've been driving a car that's old, um, I had a client recently with a 14-year-old car, love the car, and but it's going to need major repairs. And she went to her local uh, repair company, somebody that she has a lot of confidence in, and she had an estimate for around $900 to do some repairs. And I said, well, so you have this really old car with high mileage on it, and you're going to put another $900 into it, and a year later you're going to probably do the same thing maybe it's a good time now to go out and buy a new car, which she did. She actually bought a 2012 version of the same car that she's driving Mm -hmm. right now. Right. Because she loved the car. So what you might do is, okay, you have to go out and buy a new car. If your old car is really old and you're not going to get much money for it, why don't you take some of your tax refund money and put that towards a down payment and then maybe finance the balance on this newer or new car you're going to get. But you'll have a smaller payment when you do that. So that, that can be a good use of money. You can also put it towards a down payment and lease a vehicle as well. So if you have some money to put down when you sign a lease, for example, you're really financing part of the car's depreciation up front and that can lower your payment on the leasing as well. And I'm not an expert on car finance and it's not what I typically do, but gosh, uh, that can be a good thing to you. To For you to do because you're going to have a newer car, safer, longer lasting, fewer repairs. That can be a smart thing to spend some money on. Mm -hmm. How about some of the worst things to spend money on? Okay, here's my first one. Booze and gambling. I can't tell you how many people I see in my office that one of their favorite occupations is to go to Foxwoods. (laughs) And... They go every single week, and some of them are successful, but most of them are not. Um, so here's one tip when you go to Foxwoods or any place like that. Have a limit, and don't take your credit cards with you right. that you plan to use. So if you want to play slot machines, and a lot of people like to do that, it's really right. simple. Um, s- decide what your limit's going to be whether it's $50 or $80 or $100. yeah. And when that money is gone, which typically it will be, then just go enjoy the scenery and watch everybody else losing their money. <laughs> well,
0: as they say, casinos aren't there because everybody won.
1: <laughs> That's correct. Yeah. I hadn't heard that before. I like that. So, um, but be careful of um, alcohol, be careful of deciding, well, we're going to take the refund and go spend a weekend in Atlantic City or something of that nature. I've had people this past week tell me that. That's what their plan was for their tax refund. Wow. Shopping spree. A lot of people say, this is the time of year when I get my refund, I can't wait. I'm to go out and buy all new clothes and do this and that. Think of doing something a little different this year. So if your typical pattern has been go out and spend it, think about, take half of it. Take half of it and put it aside the future or for your emergency fund. And don't use it to finance something that's frivolous that you just simply can't afford. This is a good time of year when you're fortunate, you've got the refund. Try to do something a little different for a change and something that's uh, a little bit smarter. So... Getting a big, a big refund can be a good thing, but as I've said, it can also be a bad thing because it is an interest-free loan that you've made to the United States government. So instead of withholding all of that cash from your paycheck, for example, you could have been taking the money and putting some money towards your emergency fund mm-hmm. or an investment account, save $1,000 and then put it into something that's bigger, say $5,000 and set it up as a CD or a small annuity or something of that nature. So if you are doing excessive withholding and you are gonna get back a large refund, talk to your human resource representative or talk to a tax professional or talk to us, we can help you. And let's take a look at your W-4 form, your withholding form. Let's think about reversing the process. Don't get so much of a refund, but put some money aside every week for savings instead. I'll, I'll tell you. In one year, you're going to be happy. In five years, you're going to be really happy. And in ten or twenty years from now, you're going to be thrilled that you followed this process. You really don't want to work on getting a large refund and making this tax-free loan to the federal government. Um, even at today's interest rates on savings account, if you got a three thousand dollar refund, yes, you're not you're not giving up a lot. Just a few dollars a year, but the um, And there are corresponding tax penalties, by the way, if you underwithhold, if you don't put enough money aside. But you want to find the right balance, and then we can show you some ways that you can take your refund and put it into something that's going to grow for your future. You know, right now, there's a lot of people uh, who just don't apply for their refunds, that they're entitled to refunds. Again, a few weeks ago, I met with a woman who hadn't filed her returns for 2012, 2013, and then she was about to do 2014. But she had done her own calculations. She had one of the uh, TurboTax programs. And she was going to get a refund for both of those years, uh, 2012 and 2013, but she hadn't filed yet. So she won't be penalized for not filing, not mm-hmm. for filing late. Why? Because she's going to get a refund. But So I asked why hadn't she filed to collect her refunds, which she will still get, by the way been too busy. Too busy. So, you know, if you're going to collect a refund for a couple thousand dollars a year and you had a couple of years that you could do that, boy, you better find the time to do that. So with a little pushing and prodding from me, she did file the two older tax returns and she's getting back a total of about $5,000. So she's made an even longer term interest-free loan to the government. Uh, The good thing is when she gets the refund, she is going to invest some of that money, so she'll make up for some of the loss that she incurred. Mm -hmm. But I'd I'd be willing to bet there's a lot of people out there who just have been too busy and just haven't gotten around to it. Whatever the reason, yeah. So if if you're in that category, file, claim your refund. Mm -hmm. The IRS has estimated that it owes more than $1 billion to taxpayers in this country for unclaimed tax refunds. Wow. Wow. Um, the other thing too, is if you weren't quite sure, you know, within roughly a three year period, you can go back and you can file an amended return. Oh, sure. So if you think that you didn't file correctly, it doesn't hurt to go back and look. The IRS has estimated that half of the refunds that are due to people who have never filed uh, their returns, the average refund is about $698 or more. Mm -hmm. So check if you haven't filed, um... Massachusetts has also the unclaimed refund list. Um, this is something you can check out really simply. Um, go into the Massachusetts mass.gov website and just punch in unclaimed refund and see if your name pops up. And if it does, um, you can follow the instructions online or we'll be happy to do that and help you. And if you, have a, if you find your name on an unclaimed refund list, that's money out there just waiting to happen. So pay down existing debt, build your emergency fund, fund your retirement account, and invest. If you're getting a decent-sized refund, what if you're getting a refund for four or $5,000? Why don't you use that as a time to go out and invest it in something? Um, also, you could consider buying flood insurance or increasing your liability coverage. Um, that's something to spend money on. If you're getting something that's larger, put some of it in a savings account. Let's, and I'm going to suggest even if you have a $2,000 refund coming, take half of it and put it into a savings account. If you want to spend the rest, then go spend the rest. But now you're going to feel good because you've begun a good savings habit to, uh, to do something with it. Right. Make some home improvements. Sure. Um, if you continue to invest back in your own home because you need a repair, you need to do something, do that. Donate to charity. Um, We are gonna be doing some other shows in the future on how you can donate smartly uh, to charities, but that's a nice opportunity to do it when you get it. You're gonna get a deduction for it and you're gonna feel good about it. Um, Appliances, we talked about inefficient appliances. I don't know about you, Phil, but we're doing things all the time to figure out how are we consuming electricity in our house? Yes. So here's one little thing. When you go to sleep at night and you've got a television that's plugged in all night, it's consuming power. And next to that you have your cable box and then maybe you have a a video player, or DVD player. And all those devices are consuming electricity all night long. Um, If you plug them all into one of the power strips instead, which is a good surge protector, it's a good thing to do anyways, then the last thing you do is just punch that one button And guess what? It shuts off all those little devices that are sucking electricity out of your home every night. And if you had more than one television in different rooms, more than one power strip. Just click off the power strips at night. If you have a a guest room, for example, and maybe you've got a television plugged in there with some devices on it, you don't even use that room for weeks or months at a time. Put it on a power strip. Click the power strip. You know what I do at night whenever I uh, get off the
0: computer... I put it on sleep mode. Mm -hmm. Most people don't do this because the computer is using a lot more electricity. Being on, well, I want to say off, but it's not off electronically. It is off on the screen, but it's consuming electricity, Ray. Certainly it is. So I put it on sleep, and it really lowers it a lot.
1: Did you ever hear of a Navy shower? (laughs) No. That's a shower when you turn the shower head on and you get in there with about six guys all at the same time. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but that's the way we went through a Marine Corps boot camp, by the way. There were three shower heads on each side of the wall and they would say, port side, make a shower call. Aye, aye, sir. And 36 guys would go running for the shower and you had 36 guys in this one tiny room all taking a shower at the same time with six shower heads. Well, you know, it's... it's um, it sounds kind of gruesome, and it was interesting. But it taught you real quickly not to be embarrassed. And if you're out in combat someday, and um, you know you're going to be in close, difficult situation, so. But a real navy shower is this: you go in the shower, and if you get this little device that controls the water flow, you start the water so it gets warm, and then you jump in, and then you slide this little device along the bottom so that the shower comes on full stream. So here's what you can do instead. Water consumption also means hot water heater is being used. Um, You can just let yourself get wet with this minimal water flow that's coming out, Mm -hmm. soap yourself all up, and then put it on full stream to rinse off.
0: Would you like to get that free of charge? Sure. Uh, The audits that the city of New Bedford is doing will do just that. And they're not just in New Bedford. The area. The so, when areas. you do a, an energy audit, you'll get free shower heads, free light bulbs, free thermostats, a lot of things free of charge because you've already paid for it on your uh, utility bill. Right. Okay. So, you know, you can get uh, a few hundred dollars worth of things absolutely free. Because you wanted an energy audit. And then they'll tell you where you're losing a lot of energy. Mm -hmm. And they'll give you a good uh, bargain on, let's say,
1: uh, insulation or whatnot. Yep. Good, good suggestions. And we've had many clients do that. We had a client recently that replaced a 25-year-old boiler. um, And they paid for a part of that. And uh, we did it in our office. We we replaced all the ceiling fixtures about five years ago with one of those programs. And there was a grant that paid three quarters of it. And we had to pay one quarter of it, but we could pay it out over a one-year period with no interest. And I said, where do I sign? Yeah. And we did it. Of course. It. Sure, anything like that. But uh, with your tax refund, though, if you have an older refrigerator, yeah. it's you know maybe it's not keeping proper temperature control, this is a good time to do that. So there's some good things to do with your refund. Mostly what I want you to do is to think about it as an opportunity to change the way that you're dealing with money and thinking about money. So don't think of your refund as, great, I've got this money, I'm just going to go out and have a good time with it. Think about doing something a little differently this year. Your money is um, very important to you. Your tax refund is very important to you. We'd like to show you ways that you can protect your family and protect your money. And we've got so many free reports we can give you, we'll give you a free conference in the office. Come talk to us and we're going to show you how to improve your personal financial situation and that of your family. Thank you so much for listening. Do something smart with your refund this year.
0: Absolutely. And uh, can we look forward to you getting a new showerhead or not?
1: Well, I have a shower head right now that does just what I've described. All right, and that's how I typically like to take a shower.
0: All right, that's that's good. Uh, Celeste wants to replace ours with a squirt gun, but I thought that was a little bit too extreme.
1: Well, you know, some ways some some uh, companies are now selling these shower heads. We can have one coming at the side of you, the back of you, the front of you, and on top of you. That's a wasteful way to use words.
0: Of course it is. Absolutely. Thank so. goodness
1: we're not out in California. That's right. Yeah. You
0: know. uh, folks, thank you ever so much for joining us each and every Sunday. We really appreciate it. Not only do we appreciate you listening to Moneywise Radio, but we want you to keep in mind that none of us can be an expert at everything. So why not let the professionals at USA Wealth Group help you protect your family, and help you protect your money. You know what? Let their family protect your family. So until next Sunday morning, on behalf of Ray Lance, have a great week, everyone.